Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all, all the listeners who are listening to us. Uh, welcome to the Drive Time show uh, with myself, Zakaria. You are probably not familiar to my voice. <laughs> for Wednesdays, <laughs> for Wednesdays, but I usually uh, present on Tuesdays, and with a familiar voice, I have been joined with uh, Dr. Bajwa. Um, Dr. Bajwa, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling? Thank you very feeling? much, It's uh, Dr. Tariq Bajwa, uh, your co-host today, and uh, Assalamu alaikum, peace be on you all, our listeners, uh, and wish you well today. Um, so. In today's um, uh, discussion, um, for those who are familiar to our um, drive time show, we usually split the two hours in two different uh, topics. Um, Dr. Bajwa, could you tell us what interesting topics we have for the first hour? Uh, yeah, the first hour is, is very interesting, actually. Um, it's experimental farming. Okay. Uh, that's transforming global agriculture, basically making uh, agriculture more beneficial. Of course, it is beneficial to mm -hmm. everyone. That's the first hour we'll be talking about, and we have some um, some very senior guests, very um, experienced guests in this field, uh, to whom we'll be talking to. And uh, in the second hour, we'll be speaking to on another very interesting and popular topic and that is atheism atheism uh, recently has be, has been grown to be a more sort of popular topic and people are uh, more people are interested to know about it um, so in the second hour we'll be speaking about that so you can join us uh, later for that topic but first we have experimental farming and as you all know growing food food is essential for mm -hmm. the for the living, you can't live without food. And uh, God Almighty, who created us, has provided us with food. And not only the food which he has created and provided us, but he has given us the mind, the wisdom, in order to improve and how to reach that food uh, using our brain and with our wisdom, we can um, grow more. In a, we can use it in a better way. We can increase the production of the food. We can increase the quality of the food as well as the quantity of the food. Mm -hmm. So at one time, if you look at that timeline in the history of mankind, the man has gradually developed to find out what was more beneficial for him and has 
um, sort of uh, made an arrangement so that he can reach those types of foods because, you know, initially the people were dependent on fruits of the trees, but of course they were limited and uh, the, the supply which was needed was much, much more. Yep. So they happened to find out the grain, the grains which are like wheat and rice and, uh, you know, the, our staple foods. Mm -hmm. so, so when he found out that this is what we need and our, we are dependent for our energy, which we need for our lives uh, on, on this type of food. So this, the mainstay of our uh, food became these crops, which were uh, our staple crops. And, and then the, the, he found different ways how to improve the quantity as well as the quality of this type of food. Mm -hmm. Although he continued to be um, using the other types of food, which of course are more for the sake of taste Mm -hmm. Because, of course, if you want to eat, you want to eat something which is tasty and you are mm -hmm. more attracted to uh, a tasty food. And uh, God Almighty has provided us um, this sense, which is a special sense, which is related to the smell as well as, uh, you know, related to your tongue that you can taste the food. Yep. And before it actually reaches your stomach. Mm -hmm. So even the thought of food, you know, when you are thinking of some nice tasty food, then um, you start uh, you're salivating. That's that's a phenomenon. That's how you relate food to your mind. Yep. So, so it's very, very important. So finding different ways how to grow food and what is the best and how we can improve is all the time this is going on. And as I, I remember that our current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad, uh, he was once uh, in charge of a farm when he was working in Ghana. Yep before he became uh, Khalifa and uh, before he returned um, to Pakistan, he served in Ghana for seven years. And while he was there, he was in charge of a farm and there he experimented to grow wheat in mm -hmm. Ghana, mm -hmm. which was, uh, at that time, it was not growing in Ghana. Mm -hmm. So he was the one, because he, he's, uh, uh, he has studied agriculture and he's mm -hmm. one of the experts and he uh, experimented. He was the volunteer to experiment that and, and then he successfully uh, was able to grow wheat in Ghana mm. and he presented this to, to the government of Ghana mm. and they were very happy with that. Mm. So so he has given, he has led us with an example that we should keep going, especially those who are involved in the agriculture, they should try different means uh, how to grow a better food and how you can benefit mankind mm -hmm. by doing so. Yeah, just just reminding on um, you just said that His Holiness, the fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he experimented with with wheat, which uh, you know they could not grow in Ghana, and he successfully you know planted and nurtured wheat for the first time in Ghana, and that was an evolution, and 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 um, and th these kind of experiments that you know people do is basically what we are going to discuss but the reason why we mentioned uh, you mentioned is because he is our caliph um, our spiritual leader uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community just uh, it, it reminds me of a um, of something that he discussed or spoke uh, in the houses of the parliaments in 2008 where His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed may Allah be his helper, um, 
you know, he stated that God has bestowed each and every country with natural resources that should have been fully utilized to turn the world into a heaven of peace. God has gifted many countries with an excellent climate and environment for growing different crops. Had proper planning been adopted to use modern technology for agriculture, the economy would have strengthened and hunger could have been eliminated from the earth. Very wise words of His Holiness that, you know, everyone has enough food indeed and in in, um, in a bit uh, later on in our discussion we will also discuss how much food there is in, in the world and how, how much, much is needed. Is, <laughs> is needed and how much is wasted uh, of course you, you know with the uh, you know as the, as the time is changing and the climate change is a big issue mm-hmm. uh, currently yeah and uh, as you know that today it's, it's a bit hot actually it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, everybody is looking for, you know, the hot weather, but then it, once, once it becomes too much, then mm-hmm. it is affecting everyone. And so does um, the farming uh, affected by, by the climate as well. Yeah. So, of course, you know, with, in, you know, with that in mind, one has to think about the farming in the future, how we can improve it and mm-hmm. what are the different ways mm-hmm. we can improve. And another thing is the greater need for sustainability across the globe and uh, attention has been drawn towards experimental farming to meet the current agricultural hmm. needs of the world. Hmm. So, uh, so we are, we are going to um, speak in a short while to uh, to an expert who is doing um, experimental farming um, locally here in in the UK, because uh, you know we we can uh, find ways how how we can utilize in a better way even in the back garden. You know there are people. Um, I, I know there are some of the people who grow um, vegetables uh, in their back back garden uh, and and they benefit out of that uh, just be, uh, a little bit of know-how so a little bit of you know um, being active and and being actively involved in um, you know growing your own vegetable and uh, once you know you know that the um, organic food is the best for you and that you can, um, be 100% sure that no, you know, fertilizers have been used, no chemicals are involved in it, and, and there is no genetic engineering involved because mm-hmm. genetic engineering is one of the things. While people were trying to uh, increase the product, the, uh, the quantity of the food, they um, turned into the genetic engineering. Of course, it provided with much more food because the quantity which was the product, the produce was much higher, but at the same time, it did affect on the health of the patient, of the people who were um, u- utilizing it, and uh, ultimately, th- they there has been uh, found some relationship to some of the illnesses which can be related to the um, to the genetically engineered foods. So it can be, you know, everything has to be in moderation, and if, if anything exceeds. Um, the limits, then it becomes, uh, rather than beneficial, it becomes more harmful. Harmful, yes. Yeah, so so we have to, to strike a balance between mm. the two. I mean, uh, maybe the sellers and the farmers, um, when they look, of course, in the beginning, you know, everything was, uh, you can say, naturally grown. But to make their businesses more successful, uh, you know, people start to think of you know different ways to grow more so would you call uh, genetic um, farming 
uh, also a sort of experimental farming as well? Of course. I mean, th- that is also experimental farming. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that kind of, you know, recently at the site of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Communities Annual Convention, mm-hmm. uh, it is a site in um, uh, about 208 acres of land in, in near Orton, uh, where we hold our Jalsa Salana, a British Muslim woman is experimenting with a test form in, in that place, Orton, Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Atiya Shokat is the Agricultural Secretary of the International Association of Ahmadi Architects and Engineers. She began growing vegetables in her garden and now oversees two farming sites in Nigeria. And uh, her trials growing things such as uh, Celosia and Am- Amaranth, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, which are frequently consumed by locals. And the observations made here in Orton, she takes that knowledge back to Nigeria so that the indigenous population can be taught about growing popular vegetation. Mm-hmm. And speaking to the independent, she said that we need to teach all levels of people how to actually grow their own to reduce their costs. And Shokat was encouraged by the uh, our caliph of the community, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, May Allah be his helper to grow her own food, who himself, as I mentioned earlier, that he has studied agriculture and he's a graduate in that. So we have our uh, our first guest, who is uh, Laika Ahmed. She's a project manager at this site, Hadikatul Mahdi, and we'll be speaking to her. Uh, and we welcome her. Thank you for coming, Laika, on our show today. Thanks for coming on our drive time show today. And uh, we are, as you are aware, we are talking about the experimental farming. So um, thank you for coming on the show. So my first question to you would be, how do you manage the farming site in Hadikatul Mahdi? And what are the daily tasks there? Um, so Jazakumullah for having me. Um, so uh, the model farm in Hadikatul Mahdi actually was only set up um, sort of 12 weeks ago. Um, so the, the managing of it is more like establishing it. Um, but despite that, in the short time we've had, um, we've got three ongoing experiments. We've done one experiment and it's not complete. Um, so the daily tasks um, that sort of go with that is the observation of the experiments and how they're going. Um, they need to be tended to because obviously these are living experiments. Um, and then obviously alongside our experiments, we also have produce growing. Um, and that includes spinach. Uh, carrots, courgettes, and strawberries. Um, so as many gardeners will know or farmers will know, that requires also daily tending because of the watering, the weeds, the pests, uh, the pests that come to it. And of course, obviously, the picking of the fruits and vegetables when they're ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, what sort of discoveries have uh, you know been made that have been fruitful in Nigeria? So... Um, our work in Tripoli extends not only to Nigeria, but also to other African farms, including Ivory Coast. Um, and the main two that we have currently are in Nigeria and uh, Ivory Coast. The reason why I mention it is because the Nigerian farm uh, is something that is started from the scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were assigned 11 acres, and those 11 acres are mostly forests. Um, and because there's a lack of machinery um, and lock, lack of research, really, everything has to be researched prior to beginning. And then now that we've been ready, um, the farm has been cleared. And by clearing, ha- the, the local farmers, they had to do it mostly by hand. Um, so that's taken time. But now that they've cleared it, we've got somewhat of a plan for the Nigerian farm, which uh, includes um, looking at their local climate, um, their soil quality, and what we'll need to do with that soil. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, their local, the, the local foods they can eat, but also what nutrient deficiencies are in their local community so we can give them food according to that. Um, so in Nigeria, it's mostly currently the, we're looking at it via um, uh, research and we're doing experiments in regards to irrigation here and Hadikatul Messi, so we can take that back um, to us. But um, if you're if you're looking for fruitful um, uh, innovations, that have been mostly in Ivory Coast. So in for Ivory an Coast. Ivory Coast, mm-hmm. for, yeah. So for example, in Ivory Coast, um, we were looking at high value crops. Now, one of the high value crops there is carrots, and mm-hmm. the reason why because in the UK we can easily grow them because our climate is temperate, but the Ivory Coast is rather hot and humid, so it makes it difficult, and therefore it is um, something that is really desirable there um, and but as a result, expensive. Um, so our team, our in-charge, Shafiq Baji, she went, um, she made more changes, but alhamdulillah, they've been managing to now grow carrots in the local farm in Ivory Coast now. Um, and then the other thing that made a big difference, for example, in Ivory Coast, is food preservation. As you mentioned, food waste is something that we currently live with. However, in these countries um, where poverty also plays an element, it isn't due to wastefulness that there is food waste. Um, it is mostly because they have a growing season and then the harvest season, and then during the harvest season, they're not. Uh, they have uh, an abundance of um, harvest, and sometimes there's so much they they cannot use it in that one month or so. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of our again our health is in food preservation. So for example, tomatoes, how they can preserve tomatoes in their climate. Or mangoes, for example, making you know something that we quite regularly or happily eat here in the UK, um, a dried fruit, um, fruit leather, for example, children tend to like it. Um, so it's something that we've been teaching them so they can actually take the produce um, that might go to waste because of overabundance mm-hmm. and then be able to preserve it and then use it um, later on down further months when they have no uh, harvest. And and you mentioned two names as as far as I remember, Nigeria and Ivory Coast. Is there any other countries where you are trying to grow crops uh, to experiment? Yes. So the original one um, was uh, Burkina Faso. Um, and mm-hmm. there, again, as I mentioned, for example, the success there has been, for example, growing sweet potatoes. Again, it might just seem like a crop. But but there they have uh, they have problems. The population problem is with poor eyesight, mm-hmm. and sweet potato is something that if it's incorporated into their diet, it'll actually help and improve any sort of ailments that come um, due to that nutrient deficiency. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I was just thinking that you know God Almighty has, you know, where you see there are some ailments, He has has given the treatment there as well it's just a matter of finding mm. it that you know you use lo- localized like for example some of the allergies you know you use the local honey and it will help you if you to have the particular allergy you have if you're living in that mm. particular area so if the, the treatment is there it's just a matter of finding it and uh, I, I, I like I just uh, on a personal level i just wanted to know what's your background that you know you are dealing with these kind of issues agriculture so this is quite interesting because actually in between of our, all of our team, no one has an agricultural background per se. Mm-hmm. My personal background comes from a science perspective, therefore I am rather invested in the experimental side of things. Um, but other than that, it's just, um, it is just, it is the want to serve humanity, and this is simply an avenue to do mm-hmm. so. Um, uh, it's local to us, uh, which is also convenient. 
Um, but yes, it's obviously it's a, it's a passion project for us because it does ultimately serve um, humanity all around the world. Oh, that's that's great. It's good to know that. What are what are you currently looking into to be able to support farming in Africa, particularly? So um, again, in Africa, as I've mentioned, there's lots of things we're looking in. For example, the high value crops, as I've mentioned, um, then the nutritional crops. Um, then something that again we're looking in Hadikuka Mehdi, and we're hoping to take it across Africa, is something called cover crops. Now, in traditional farming, um, what's happened since the, the the revolution of or the industrialization of farming is we've brought big machinery in, which has meant you know high yielding of crops. But what we've done in that process is we have stripped bare our soil. We've we've taken all the nutrients we could because we could do it quickly. And we've, put, we've been putting them back usually through chemicals. So we've been using fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides to combat what was taken out of the soil and not replaced. However, now what's happened due to, due to all the sort of global events, it, all of this has become really expensive and prohibitive in some cases. So we're now looking at cover crops, which is thinking about putting back nutrients uh, holistically back into the soil, as well as uh, reducing pests and uh, the need for herbicides um, or weed control by just using crops that will harmonize um, with the plants you are growing, for example. Then the other things we're looking for Africa, especially is native crops, as you mentioned, uh, amaranth, for example. So again, in Africa, we have focused for too long on what the Western world would like to eat and not enough on what would be good um, or what grows really well in their native, um, you know, in their native soil. I mean, if we think about it, humanity, you know, originated from Africa and therefore our, all our food, you know, sustaining can uh, come from there. So we're looking a lot of their um, native crops because they'll be easier to grow, but they're just not modernized yet um, because they haven't been genetically selected to be high yielding. So this is something else, again, we want to look from an experimental perspective, inshallah, in Hadith al Mahdi, God willing, um, to see if we can grow these crops and make them high yielding here and then inshallah take them to Africa. Inshallah, God willing. Thank you very much, Sister Laika, for joining us and answering our questions and enlightening the people about uh, your great work that you're doing um, uh, in, in Africa. Thank you very much. Um, meanwhile, we have, we have put uh, a question uh, on, the web, on our website, Voice of Islam. And uh, I think for our listeners, you can, you can use your brain and just think of it. The question is, which country is best for farming in Africa? Is it Somalia? Is it the Gambia? Is it Ghana? Or is it Ethiopia? So just uh, have your answer in your mind, and we'll later on we'll, we'll tell you what is the correct answer. Uh, it will be interesting to know, you know, what do you think of Africa, what countries, and how suitable is the atmosphere in various countries of uh, Af- Africa, particularly. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about, uh, you know, the food and growing of the food and the way we grow food and how we can improve. And we're talking about uh, uh, our head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizza Masoor Ahmad. You know, in one of the interviews, he stated that the first priority of man is always food. Then the second priority is clothes to wear and the third is a home to live in. As uh, he, he mentioned, that as I said, the first priority is food and food cannot be produced without agriculture. Mm-hmm. So, of course, agriculture is a, is a basic, essential 
you know, without which you can't survive if you if you, mm. if you if you can't do farming. So we owe a lot to the to our farmers. You know, sometimes we, although they are the ones who are uh, who do not actually, uh, they are well off here in this country, but because of the middleman involved, you know, they they do not uh, get all the benefit which they they actually should get because all the hard work is done by by them and then you know getting onto the supermarkets where we get it from yep. there is a middleman involved and all the the major part of the profit goes to either the supermarket or the middleman yep. and the farmer himself is is the one who remains devoid of that kind of uh, profits yeah i mean i remember many years ago i uh and you see this meme or a cartoon as well sometimes you've oh, probably yeah, yeah. seen that yeah, yeah. that uh, some someone is selling bananas right yeah. uh in 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 uh, in a third world country um he tells it to the to the buyer that you know you know we don't have enough enough money yeah or we don't earn enough money to feed our our family so you know please give us more money for for the works that we are doing yeah <laughs> and the the buyer true. says just yeah. just eat bananas plenty <laughs> 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 of bananas <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah that, that's um, uh, you know it's an irony but uh, that's that's the thing it is so um so learning about effective farming and taking that knowledge to those who are most in need of it um so that that is i think that, that's what i understood from our first guest that and uh, the purpose is that we we do the experimental farming here and then we can take it from here where, into where it is needed more where is, where it is needed in, in yes Africa, where people mm-hmm. where a lot lot more people are hungry mm. and just you mentioned about some some of the statistics uh, and according to action against hunger as many as 783 million people they still go hungry wow 49 million people across 43 countries are at risk of falling into famine or a severe hunger crisis and uh, as i mentioned about shaukat earlier that she has noted that we can see that even as a developed nation we cannot guarantee that our shelves will always be full and that concept is becoming more and more conscious to us after covid after brexit so you we have uh, practically seen the shelves empty of the supermarkets mm-hmm. during these periods of covid and and brexit so um, this can happen it is a real thing and it is it is something which we need to think about and um, as we were talking about our uh, um, site of the jalsa salana our annual convention where the food waste is actually used as compost on this experimental farm okay that's a that's a nice thing yeah, that's that's yeah. a that's a thing that you know you, people can do absolutely the, the recycling and, and and that's that's the best recycling that food waste is the best food for the plants yep. and uh, so rather than um, using the chemical fertilizers uh, and you can use the natural food waste which mm. can be converted into into compost and that is the the best fertilizers yeah and um, so the it's, it's important f- uh, form in a way that meets uh, the uh, our current and future needs and uh, shokat she has explained that sustainability means that you are trying to make yourself as independent as possible mm-hmm. and i understand that we have our second guest uh, online um this is martin lines uh, who is from nature friendly 
frame farming network and uh, we will be uh, speaking to him uh, thank you for joining us martin lines welcome to our dry time show this evening and thank you good afternoon good afternoon good afternoon um so martin um i have a question for you you are a farmer could you please tell us a little bit uh, about what you grow yeah so i farm in cambridgeshire um we predominantly grow what we call combinable crops so things like wheat bar wheat that makes biscuits and flours mm-hmm. barley for beer and malting mm-hmm. oats beans but we're also reintroducing livestock back into our farming system to build fertility into our soil so we can reduce the amount of fossil fuel based fertilizers we need mm-hmm. all right that's great so what are the current threats to effective food growth um i our climate and biodiversity crisis um we're seeing increasingly impacts not just in this country but globally around weather patterns that are underpinning uh, undermining production um and i think it's about how does the supply chain and us as the consumer connect with our food and understand the impact that is having on our environment and our climate and and what measures uh need to be taken to ensure uh growing food is done in a way that is not um affecting the environment and it's considered to be environmentally friendly i think we have to be honest that our current food system and farming system is having a negative impact uh nationally and internationally um and is part of the problem and we often hear the word about farming sustainably sustaining where we are with depleted soils and a, a declining environment is not quite not going to be good enough and we need to be regenerating rejuvenating our soil and our landscape so it's about having a, a farming and food system that is adding carbon into the soil reducing fossil fuel based products and producing healthier food that the the all of us can get access to at whatever level of income we have mm-hmm. so when speaking about uh you know the opposite of of uh, not friendly uh, farming and uh, when you speak about uh, the, the f- friendly farming so how will nature you know change when we um farm you know naturally and how will you know our planet be a better place so if if we recognize nature as a stakeholder in our business as farmers we're getting free rain and uh, sunshine and focus on soil health and have a farming practices that enhance nature not tries to run against it and and you know terminate it and kill it with pesticides um we can actually improve our soil which will capture more carbon improve a healthier product that we can consume and actually it makes our businesses more profitable because as a as a farmer I'm trying to run a a business and sort of generate products from the landscape so it's about having that combination of outputs of healthy food healthy environmental outputs cleaning up our waterways and our air quality and actually con- connect, connecting with uh, all of us as consumers in the way we manage our landscape and the farming system that is improving what we have uh, as a UK countryside mm-hmm. So uh, Martin as a CEO of Nature Friendly Frame Farming Network you have you have you had any like new experiments where you have experimented into you know trying something which is more natural and giving you a better product Yeah we're using many of the older seed varieties from 20 30 years ago and finding that actually within a, a healthier soil system 
more productive than some of our newer ones that need feeding with pesticides and, and fertilizers. We're mixing varieties together, so oats and beans grown together that are producing more because they feed each other. And we're also looking at how we can uh, manage our other products we can produce from our landscape. So we're bringing bees in. I've brought some sheep in from a neighboring farm to build fertility up that produces another product. I'm also looking at how, how do we sort of stack enterprises and in income streams as we move forward. As Within England, the way the government supports farmers is changing. And, and we're looking at how do we can adapt to that new new system that's been offered to farmers. Right. Just out of interest, so, so what what are the changes being made regarding the farmers? Because I I understood that they had certain relaxations and uh, you know they were given certain um, uh, sort of uh, uh, where they were not taxed as much and uh, some certain facilities. So is is that changing as well? Uh, yeah, there's a whole range of changes coming. Um, currently, we, we, we were in a, an EU-based system that was paid per hectare of land we farmed. Okay. That has been changed to, um, we will get rewarded for actions we do in delivering pollinating habitats, habitats for birds, cleaning up water. But we're also seeing changes within government um, trading deals, where they're allowing imports to be imported at a lower standard than we are here so we may see our standards get changed to meet that uh, commonality we have a, a government that's not really sure on how it wants to see the uk countryside managed and the food produced compared with imports at uh, different quali uh, qualities and safety right so do you think that the british products are better than the uh, the european products no i think we're, we're all producing some really good products mm -hmm. um, what we need to recognize is where is the best place in the in, you know across europe or across globe or across the uk to produce that product that causes the least amount of harm to our environment and climate and um, some imported products are actually as good if not better than we can produce here but we also can produce some, some amazing products where we're not getting support in producing those because much of our fruit and vegetables we could produce in the uk but we choose to import because we don't see the impact it is having in other communities in other landscapes Right. Okay. Thank you very much. I think that was a very useful information you gave, and um, I think it would enlighten our uh, our listeners as well. Thank you very much for joining us, and have a nice uh, evening. And you. Thank you. Thank you. So that was uh, Martin Lyons uh, from. Uh, he's, he's the CEO of Nature Friendly Farming Network, and uh, of course, he was giving us more information about what is going on and how the British farmers are trying to improve uh, their crops and um, uh, bringing in the the new uh, regulations as well for the farmers um, would uh, hopefully would help uh, the future of agriculture in the United Kingdom. Um, now we were talking about uh, you know the hunger and the food waste. The Holy Quran uh, which is the divine book um, it says that it is he who has made the earth for you a cradle and has caused pathways for you to run through it and who sends down rain from the sky and thereby we bring forth various kinds of vegetation. So this is something which has been mentioned in the Holy Quran that God Almighty when he says that he, because you know without rain you can't have anything. Exactly. Um, if you If you happen to see a desert you know, um, 
without rain and with rain after rain is such a huge difference yes you know, it's, indeed, it's, yeah. the whole landscape yeah. changes and mm-hmm. and it happens within a very very short time mm-hmm. you know you see that it's so dry and so yellow and and suddenly it's all green and and the water is running and everything you see the life is there yeah and god almighty has uh, you know particularly mentioned this that you need something from the skies in order to help you to for for that but that land which is which is very very dry yeah that but it it benefits you so much after the rain that mm-hmm. you get the vegetation you get the crops and you get everything and you know this subject it it is it runs parallel spiritually as well and this is one reason why god almighty has mentioned in this divine book that god reminds us that look it's the rain which comes from the skies and that is how you get the crops the vegetation yeah and similarly you need the revelation from the skies from god almighty yeah which can guide you to the correct path and mm-hmm. which will take you to the success mm-hmm. so any success morally spiritually um which creates the society which is a harmonious society you need the guidance from god almighty yeah, that's indeed. why it's important to turn to the creator exactly because he knows the best mm-hmm. so the holy quran also states that so gives to the kinsman his due and to the needy and to the wayfarer that is best for those who seek the favor of allah and it is they who will prosper so at the same at the same time god almighty the creator has reminded us that once God Almighty has provided you and don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Don't, don't be, be selfish. Don't be don't greedy. Don't be selfish. Don't mm-hmm. be greedy. So when if you provided it to the needy that is a responsibility to mm. the wayfarer basically those all those who are in need um they, then you should also support them you should provide it to them and as a result God Almighty will be kind to you and mm. he will help you. Mm-hmm. And um so to alleviate hunger we were talking earlier according to action against hunger over 800 million people had risk from life threatening hunger just imagine you know you these statistics actually sometimes are eye openers you know you, you you think that you can see somebody who is you know lying you're sitting down in the street and he's he's a homeless and he's asking for food or mm-hmm. or money but you know extent to the uh, you if you realize the extent 800 million people are they are at risk from from life threatening hunger not just just hunger life threatening hunger life threatening hunger yeah and um, you know when when ramadan times comes sometimes you know when you are hungry for long periods when we have a longer fast hmm. then you can have a little bit of an idea of hunger yeah but you know you you, you don't realize that what is a constant hunger that you are in a state of hunger all the time hmm. you never your hunger is never you know fulfilled hmm. you never eat to 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 your satiety so that is a different state altogether mm-hmm. and uh, so this means that almost 1 in 10 people go to bed hungry every night across the world 3 billion people cannot afford a healthy diet now oh. you're, you know coming to a healthy diet because there's the one thing to eat whatever you get yeah and of course it is not a full diet what you need for your health yeah and um, therefore if you, there are people uh, the, that's why you see the difference 
that uh, 800 million people they are they are at risk for life-threatening hunger but mm -hmm. there are uh, 3 billion people who cannot afford a healthy diet i mean the the normal essential things that they need they don't have it yeah they they yeah, eat from true. whatever they they find uh, so so much poverty so much uh so many people who have a are malnourished, uh, you know, they, they're not having enough food. Yeah, malnourishment, mm. I, again, it's a problem in, in Africa. Yep. That uh, you see so many children who are malnourished um, because they don't get the basic, you know, even if they they are able to get something to eat, it's not uh, providing them the enough nourishment which yeah. they need. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, the, the, it is it is food, but it's not nutritious food. Yeah. which they need and that's why they get deprived of those basic essentials which are needed for health hmm. and on top of that um, I mean those living in poorer nations are the ones directly affected by you know uh, such statistics and not just that but when you know they are deprived from food or they are not having uh, the essential food that they need um, on top of that, if there is war or a climate change happening, then you know you'll see these problems even more uh, uh, in 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 those countries. And then COVID nineteen is something that um, had a huge effect on uh, on um, uh, you know uh, people with uh, you know not having enough food. Where, where it's needed. Um, Zakaria, thank you. Now we have, uh, I think our uh, next guest is with us, is Professor Muhammad Al-Ghanoum. Uh, he's Associate Researcher, Plant Protection and Biological Control, School of Natural and Experimental Science, Newcastle University. Um, Professor Al-Ghanoum, thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon uh, on Voice of Islam. We welcome you on our show. Thank you for you and for your uh, radio listener for hosting me in this program. Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, I, I hope that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get some information from you regarding the topic we are speaking about, the agriculture and the, and the experimental farming. So what are some of the problems in agriculture at the moment? Uh, it's too much. Actually, <laughs> scientists are focusing reducing the gap between the food and the rapidly increasing of the world populations. Mm -hmm. the, food, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, FAO, forecasts that global production will need increase by 70%. Do you know 70% if the population reach 9.1 or 9.5 billion in 2050. Mm -hmm. So, the agriculture sector, in this case, will need to have to overcome additional challenges as it is to work to increase the food production. These include groundwater, depletion, climate stress, soil degradation, loss in formal to uh, formal land to uh, urban uh, urban uh, urban uh, station. Mm -hmm. The agricultural production actually proceeds face unlimited challenges, as it is 
differ from region to another depending on crops available in the uh, uh, in the each each area so but for me i can classify these challenges in four categories first of these is the farmers the challenges uh, related to the farmers such as uh, all are we know the migration uh, from the village to the city of the many people searching for better life uh, is lack of new agriculture information do you know the farmers uh, mostly in the uh, poor countries uh, and they are unable to use the new technology the, they are unable to use uh, a new host plant resistant uh, seeds the uh, unable to use the tool uh, new technology of tool production and agriculture production so the, the, the this lake of using the improved variety with high productivity and this variety should be resistant to uh, insect and plant diseases uh, or plus the, the, the bad use of chemical or pesticides all these factors belong to the farmers the second the second one is the uh, related to the conditions do you know that the weather condition is changed and we are suffering from the soil erosion we are suffering from weather desertification uh, uh, and result in urban expansion and agriculture land mm -hmm. so the third one is related to to the consumer as you know that is, uh, satisfied the consumer is changing taste and expectation to meet a raising demand for more food and higher quality <laughs> so uh, how is the research into this helping to combat these issues uh, there there is no doubt that the research and scientific results <coughs> are based in any aspect of production the research process began with this emerge of the man who began searching for edible blood species and the ancient farmers benefits from their experience in cultivating plant species in certain area according to tolerance these plant to climate condition and this is considered as research so research can also solve any problem uh, uh, encountered by small-scale agriculture producer with uh, tangible benefits for for example low production of crops livestock and fish can <coughs> can be overcome by turning to new developed variety and breeds or better nutrition of food sufficiency can be attained by diversity diets so i mean usually 
usually we can, we, there is no way to, to, to be out of research to help this, this, uh, this field of agriculture. Mm-hmm. And uh, lastly, from my side, what is uh, currently being worked on in your field to transform the way uh, we grow plants or food in, in the future? Actually, I am working here in Newcastle University with a distinguished team with high expertise on biotechnology to find uh, host plant resistance to a biotic like drought or salinity and biotic like insect and disease problem. In addition to search for gene through the RNA seq or RNA to reduce the number of pests or limitation their reproduction. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Professor Mohammed uh, um, Al-Ghanoum, for joining us and answering our questions. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that was uh, Professor Mohammed Al-Ghanoum. He's uh, Associate Researcher, Plant Protection and Biological Control, School of Natural and Environmental Sciences in Newcastle University. I was talking about, you know, what uh, they are uh, taking their part in um, uh, in improving um, the agriculture in, in the future. One uh, important statistics when we mentioned about, you know, what we're talking about is uh, the statistics is about the food wastage. You know, a lot of food is wasted, particularly Mm -hmm. in the developed countries. And we see around us here as well. Although, you know, there have been some some efforts to make use of that food. But uh, there's a lot of food wastage. And uh, it is estimated that one third of all food produced around the world is lost or wasted. And a study showed that there were approximately 1.3 billion tons of food waste in production, which is enough to feed all of the world's 870 million hungry people four times over. Wow. So, um, you know, we we asked earlier one question. I don't want to, uh, to miss that statistics. One, you know, uh, what was the answer and what was the correct answer for that? So, so the question was that, what, uh, you know, what, which country is the best for farming in Africa? Is it Somalia? Is it the Gambia? Is it Ghana or Ethiopia? And uh, what is your guess? I don't know, but the correct answer is Ethiopia. Ethiopia is the best country for farming in Africa. Okay, interesting. So this is a question we asked in in Instagram uh, story, I think. And Ethiopia is the correct answer. Most of the people have answered Ghana, I guess. But the correct answer is indeed Ethiopia. So um, we're talking about <coughs> our current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, who's, uh, who's is especially interested in agriculture. And <coughs> our fourth caliph, the one before the current caliph, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad, His Holiness, uh, may Allah have mercy on him. He wrote in his book, which is, uh, uh, you know, an epoch-making book, which is uh, Islam's response to contemporary issues. Uh, he, he mentioned that there are regions in Africa and in other countries where even portable water is not available to large sections of society. And if you even get one square uh, meal a day, you consider yourself lucky. 
water becomes an everyday problem and there are countries in the world which have all the potential and resources to change their lot within a matter of a few years without feeling the pinch themselves. Mm -hmm. Yet such countries do not care to commit their resources to ameliorate the sufferings of the hundreds of millions of people in poorer countries. So that is that is one um, issue that, you know, uh, although the creator has provided for everyone, but because it is limited to certain hands and is not distributed equally, that's why we are having problems mm. in the society. And we have got so many hungry people who, who are not being fed. And so, I think uh, His Holiness then also further on said that it is a shame that despite all the advancements, advancements in science and technology, the elimination of thirst and hunger has not received the attention it needs. I mean, uh, there is a lot of attention that is needed in order to eliminate poverty from the world. But, you know, people, like you said, there are a handful of people who have control over this and they are not heading... Uh, you know they're, they're not uh, giving attention to it which is you know the cause of so much wastage um, of food one third of the food that is produced in the whole world is is wasted yes, I mean uh, in a huge number yeah, a huge absolutely. number indeed according to UNEP sustainable agriculture also has the potential to create 30% more jobs which helps people earn and be able to afford nutritious food that's the way forward as a sustainability and more research needs to be carried out in the field of sustainable farming so experimental farms like the one in Hampshire are important to study agriculture for use in poorer nations in the meantime, providing for the needy is also important so that until we have the knowledge of expanding sustainable agriculture, we take care of people affected by the lack of it. Islam, of course, encourages feeding the hungry and spending, the, uh, the, uh, spending on the poor. The Holy Quran states that, and they feed for love of him, the poor, the orphan, the prisoner, saying, we feed you for Allah's player only, we desire neither reward nor thanks from you. So Allah will save them from the evil of that day and will grant them cheerfulness and happiness. It was the practice of the Holy Prophet, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to regularly feed the hungry. And um, he was always there for, for the needy people. Whenever, who, whoever approached him, he was always there to, to help them. And, and so that is why he has been made the practical example for all of us yeah. so that we can follow him, mm -hmm. follow his practice. And uh, so we were discussing today the experimental farming, what is the purpose for uh, for experimental farming. In fact, basically, it is to help the others who are not um, that fortunate and who are in need so that we can experiment here and we can take it to them so that they can benefit out of, out of it. Food and water, they are basic necessities in life. However, we are living in an evolving climate, which means the way we produce food also needs to be amended in certain areas. It is equally important to ensure that farming is sustainable and healthy. For this, experimental farms are useful in learning about effective methods, and such knowledge can help us tackle food security issues in the most deprived places of the world. As Islam teaches, and ensuring everyone is fed is extremely important and various steps need to be taken to ensure hunger is eliminated 
such as by transforming agriculture for the better. So the we, yes, I mean, the hour went like this. I mean, very quickly, <laughs> we are at the end of the first hour. We will be going to a short break, a news break, and then we will be coming back again with a new topic. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states, when the blessings of Allah are near at hand, he provides the prerequisites for the acceptance of prayer. The heart is stirred, warms up, and begins to glow. When, however, the moment is not opportune for the acceptance of prayer, the heart lacks that tranquility which results in turning towards God. However much one exerts oneself, the heart does not respond by exhibiting willingness. It is so because at times God exerts His decree so that His will be done, and at other times He concedes to the prayer of His servants. That is why as long as I do not perceive the signs of God's willingness, I do not entertain much hope for the acceptance of prayer. At such times, I submit to the will of my Lord with greater pleasure than that which I derive from the acceptance of prayer. Indeed, I know that the blessings and fruits of this submission to the will of God are greater by far. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace be upon you all and welcome back to the Drive Time Show. Uh, we are back and we are back with a new topic. Um, as we introduced our you know, second hour topic in the first hour, uh, in this hour we will be discussing about atheism um why atheism is considered to be the biggest challenge of our times and what is the remedies i mean you know please do not take it um harsh for those who don't believe in 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 god it's it's just because we wanted to discuss this topic so everyone is aware of what we as Muslims, as specifically Ahmadi Muslims, feel about those people who do not believe in God. It's not, you know, those people who don't believe in God, you know, it's because maybe they don't, they haven't experienced or they haven't learned about what God truly is. But we truly, truly feel the pain for those who haven't experienced God yet. But that doesn't mean that, you know, a person who believes in God, you know, has or, or, or in fact calls themselves a a, um, a religious person or a believer of, of, of any prophet or, or, or a religion, that they truly follow the, you know, what God has taught us. So, you know, I would not say or consider someone who is you know who believes in in uh, in a religion to be a better person than someone who doesn't believe in god at all because there is a responsibility after we have believed in god he has laid down a life code through throughout the history through the prophets of god almighty now if we follow that life code and you'll see that the morality that is expected from every human being, that is, if that is followed, you could become a perfect human being. But this, you know, being good and bad is implanted by God Almighty in every human being. So you'll see that many people 
who do not, you know, believe in God, they do amazing works in their lives. But in today's discussion, we will be discussing why it is important to believe in God and, you know, why believing in God can bring about a true satisfaction, a true peace in your heart. And, um, and if you look um, in the UK, the UK has witnessed a decline in religious affiliation and a rise in secularization. Many people, particularly in younger generation, are identifying as non-religious or atheist people. And the, in, in the early 21st century, so the rise of the new atheist movement, which was characterized by prominent atheists such as Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and Daniel Danith. Their works, which critiqued religion and advocated for reason and science, gained popularity and had an impact on public discourse about faith and belief. Irreligion in the United Kingdom is more prevalent than in some parts of Europe, with about 8% indication as in indicating they were atheistic in 2018 and 52% uh, listing their religion as none. Uh, the rise of atheism and, you know, and, and the possible reasons are, are many. Um, you know, what comes into my mind is... You know, there could be many reasons. One is they've never been introduced to what truly God is. Um, the other one is m maybe they have... You see, um, there, is, uh, this, there is... Sometimes people say, oh, you know, it, it's not fair. You should leave the children alone. Yeah. They should decide whether whether God is the, uh, exists or not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what the thing is that <clears throat> you, are, you have to tell them if some, something exists... You have to tell them that it exists. Otherwise, what will be the conclusion? Yeah. That there is nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if you divide them from this information that there is God and don't tell them that there is God, yeah. then or the automatic result is that they, they, because they don't know anything, so they will say, no, there's no God. Mm -hmm. So this argument is not correct that you should leave them alone. If you, then you can tell them about God, that God exists, and it's up to them whether they make this conclusion that whether the God is there or not, or mm -hmm. whether they have, uh, you know, whether they uh, sort of go on to the journey to to experience God. So that is their decision. But at least they should be told that there is God and then let them uh, decide whether they want to carry on with this belief or mm -hmm. whether they want to experience it by themselves. Because there is uh, there are two things. One is that with the wisdom God Almighty has given as a human being, and that is why he has uh, made us accountable to what we do, mm -hmm. is because he has given us wisdom and we can think about it. Mm. So if we if we have been given th that wisdom, then um, the, the question arises that, you know, should there be a God? Yep. That would be the very first question, the, which logically we have to prove if we believe in anything in this world, we have a reason for that. Yep. Okay, whatever we believe, there is a reason. If we don't have a reason, we don't believe that, and sure. uh, and that is why. And some some of the people they think that they what they believe is better than what the, another person believes, and that is why you try to transfer this information to the other person. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, obviously um, if if you if you are not convinced yourself that this is better you know th then th you won't be able or you 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 won't like to transfer that information if you don't like it yourself hmm. but because you believe that this is the best that is why you try to convince the others that look you know i have found this this is something which is precious yep. which is better so we i would like you to to look at this mm -hmm. and if you like you you can also believe in that yeah so is the, the same is is god almighty that the first the very first question is that you know should there be a god hmm. and once you think that there is uh, or there should be a god then the next stage would be that there is god and for the next question it is the head of the ahmadiyya muslim community the founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community he was the very first one who maybe somebody has um, spoken about it before, but he was the one who introduced it to the people in his literature very widely yep. and invited people that come to me and I will show you God. Yep. I will put your hand into God's hand right. and so that you can experience God. Hmm. And he told the way how you can reach God. Mm. You know, his, he, if you read his one of his books, so it's the philosophy of the teachings of Islam. Yeah. He has elaborated because uh, this, in this book there, there were five questions which was uh, asked. And one of the questions was that what is the purpose of life? Right. Uh, which, which he gave a, a very uh, elaborated in, the, in details the answer to that. And then he says that once you know that the purpose of your life is to reach God Almighty, mm. to find him. Yep. Then he has also, in the other um, uh, answer he gave, he has mentioned how to reach him. Right. So he has given stepwise guide that you look, you follow this pathway, just like a, a map of a treasure. Mm -hmm. He has given this map how to reach God, how to right. find him. So once you establish that there is God, and he has also given the um, arguments which the Holy Quran, which is a book, which invites people to God, and that's the book, uh, the Holy Quran. Uh, he, from the Holy Quran, he has mentioned that the arguments, the evidence which the Holy Quran has given for the existence of God Almighty, and of course, some of them we we can be we can mention them, uh, and and they are very logical. It's not that yeah, because it is your book. It's not your book. It's giving us the principle upon which we can base mm -hmm. our research. Mm -hmm. of finding God. Hmm. For example, I, I, I'll tell you, God Almighty says that, you know, that if you look at things around you, hmm. how God has created them. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. That if you look at anything, anything which you see, you know, you can see a bird, you can see a sun, you can see moon, you can see earth, you can yeah. see, there is, you know, there is a purpose of creation of that. Mm -hmm. So when God Almighty has created, for example, if we, we take an animal, you know, when an animal is born, it has got all the potential to reach the peak, whatever it, it can achieve. Mm -hmm. It has got potential in it and it tries as it grows, it, it, it goes on developing and reaches its peak. Mm -hmm. So, and, and he's given an example that look, when you see, um, you know, a deer, for example, or a, a horse, when the their, uh, you know, offspring is born, immediately, for example, the deer, the the offspring that uh, starts walking, within within minutes, 
Whereas if you compare that with a human being, the human being ne needs nourishment at least for three years, is totally dependent on the parents. Yeah. And if he is left alone, the child will, will die. Hmm. So God Almighty or the Creator has created that love and affection in the hearts of the parents to look after a human child. And that is why, that is why you know, you see that the human beings are there. Right. Otherwise, they, they would have gone, uh, you know, uh, vanished uh, long, long before. Definitely. So whatever. And, and the birds, you give an example of birds. Uh, you know, the birds have to fly. Yep. And God Almighty has provided them with whatever they needed to fly. Yep. You know, they have, the, the bones they have, they are hollow bones and they're very light. Yep. They have been provided with the wings. You know, if you look at the eye and this eye, the example of the eye has been quoted by the fourth caliph, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad, in his in his book, uh, which is uh, Revelation Truth and uh, what's the full name of that? Uh, oh, rationality. Rationality, rationality yes. is, is yeah. a common name. Uh, and he has mentioned that you see to see through a hum uh, through an eye, the eye does not need just the physical construction of the eye. Mm -hmm. It needs the complete mechanism that the, the image you, which is put on the screen of the eye, the retina, the brain is connected with it, and mm -hmm. the brain can interpret what it is seeing okay. and, and make something out of it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there is no point that there is an image on your eye. Yeah. So the whole thing, unless it is planned, you know, and, and it's a planned arrangement, it will be something useless. Exactly. You know, so so he has given the same thing right from the beginning. The eye is in complete form. Right. It is. It is not incomplete. That for the uh, that during the evolution, you know, one part of the eye was made, yeah. and then the second part was made, and then the third one. The whole system from the brain, which which realizes or which uh, understands the image, uh, which is in the occipital part of your brain, the back of your brain, and it's connected to the retina, and then it is it. The, the the whole mechanism forming the image on the eye and then to understand that unless there is somebody who has purposefully made it it cannot by chance happen that it is made exactly exactly and exactly he has given another example that you know if you see a jumbo you know 747 a big aeroplane yeah. and you say that you know this is fully functional formed just because all the parts were there and and a storm came and they were all put together Assembled and they together, all started yeah. functioning it's just like that this reminds me of a yeah. a very famous story of a saint yeah. um you probably heard this uh, you know this saint was you know he had to debate with uh, an atheist and uh, well they have they, they were given a time to assemble for this debate and uh, well the atheist came and everyone was waiting for for the saint to arrive because the saint wasn't there on time well just when everyone was about to leave because they were waiting for a long time mm -hmm. the saint arrived and you know of course everyone was saying why were you late and the saint said but well uh, and this was a, a basically to show the person who doesn't believe in God and those people who don't believe in God that, look, there is God. So he said that, um, well, you know what? I had to, you know, cross a river, but there was no um, boat available. Mm. So suddenly I was waiting, 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 and suddenly 
I saw that you know the words that they they cut themselves, and all the wood they gathered and they came together and it formed a boat, okay. and and it came in front of me on its own, and I sat on it, and I crossed the river, and, and now I am here, right? So all that happened <laughs> on its own, right? And and I'm here. And if I would not be here if the boat didn't assemble itself, so and everyone was was saying, "What are you saying? How does that even make <laughs> sense?" Of course, you know, a boat needs to be built by someone. It needs to be brought by someone. It doesn't can't come on its own. Uh, then the saint said, "Well, this is how the universe works. This is how we are created as well. If you believe that a boat is created by someone." Then the whole universe and ourselves as humans, we are created as well. And this is what I, whatever you know, I wanted to point out that you know, indeed, as we, as our creation is, you know, uh, created by, and th- there must be a creator, you know, behind everything that we see. Um, Another example, you know, I, I remember he is given is that of a, a, a clock. That mm-hmm. you know, uh, that you you know, you you expect that you know all the um, uh, uh, very very small you know parts of the of uh, the clock they 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 got together and then it, it not not only it started working but exactly to the second it is giving you the correct time mm-hmm. and and all of it has happened by chance. Mm. So what what percentage or what chance probability if you find out what is the chance one in a in a billion or a million that that every part of the the clock has has come together and then it is giving time very regularly and he has has taken this example from the uh, verse of the holy quran where the holy quran god almighty reminds us that it says um yambaghi laha an tudrikal qamar sabiqun nahar kullun fi falaqin yusbahun and that that you see you, you look at the the sun it does not remain behind. It is always on time. Yeah. Is, uh, and then it is the <coughs> is the moon which follows it. Yeah. And and never it happens that the the day comes during the night. Right. You know the night is followed by the day. Yeah. So, and they go in in such a regular fashion. Yeah. That they are following each other. They are like a wall, like a clock. They're like a clock. Exactly. Okay. Uh, it says Everything is is going in its own orbit. And this mention of orbit in the Holy Quran is again a sign of God uh, revealing this because the orbits, they, they came to know very late when the Holy Quran was revealed. They, nobody knew that everything is going in its own o- orbit. Exactly. The, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything is in, in revolving yeah. in an orbit. So this example has been given by uh, God Almighty in the Holy Quran that look, who is the one who has created this clock of all the the planets and the stars they're going around and the galaxies basically and everything is going in an order in 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 their own orbit nobody disturbs mm-hmm. and i think once it is disturbed anywhere now the science knows that if there is a little disturbance anywhere it will be the yom al qiyamah it will be yeah. the doomsday yeah. because everything will be finished yeah exactly so so this is this is what is keep keeping it going so, 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 so I think that that's a, it's a good start towards you know um, the belief that there is a God, mm-hmm. and if you start thinking about there should be a God, these are the questions we have to be mm-hmm. um, we have to be thinking about, 
and then okay um, you know this thing has created this thing this thing has one thing is dependent upon another this is the system so what is ultimate where does it end hmm. so wherever it ends that is god there has to be something there exactly okay i mean so, naturally when someone looks into the nature yeah you know they must think that there is a there is a god right and you know i remember his holiness the fourth caliph of the ahmadi muslim community may allah have mercy on him you know he was asked the, the same question that how do we prove that there is god when we look at you know when we look in the in, in into the uh, past and when we look at the lives of the the prophets we see that they themselves is a they are a sign, are a of, sign of, of god, god. because yeah. you know the way how humble they were you know that they, they had nothing and from being nothing you know they have you know had communities that truly followed his their, their prophecies and their prophecies as well were fulfilled and those unknown messages or prophecies or revelations that they got they 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 were fulfilled and this was something that made the believers stronger even in in this day uh, in, and age believe you know, in god as well today our voice is reaching the world you know yes. this this radio is is uh, people can listen to it all over the world yes okay and this is the message the holy founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community because this is voice of islam mm-hmm. he was given the revelation that god almighty told him i shall cause thy message to reach the corners of the earth yeah now he was in a very small village even today after 125 years of you know when he started this community when you go there still you f- find that the, the it is difficult if you ask anybody do you know where is kadian nobody knows yeah okay so in a small village you know it it is amazing that he is he is saying that this is what god has told me hmm. and this you know is only you know 100 and 125 something years passed and his voice has reached the world exactly i mentioned the other day that i i went to hawaii islands you know it is a small tiny um, island in in the pacific ocean mm-hmm. and um, so just a thought came to my mind that there must be some md mosque here so i i looked at google and found that there was an md mosque wow. so i found the phone number rang and uh, our missionary you know he came and he collected us he took us and he said that we are, we are here we are our uh, uh, md's are 20, there are 50 md's here and uh, i stay here with my family and for mm-hmm. five years i'm here and i was amazed that th- how because this is a corner of the earth you mm-hmm. see and his message has already reached there yeah so so this is one evidence one of the evidence that the prophets of god when they come and they claim that i am have been appointed by god almighty and god almighty has promised that you and those who are with you will be successful yes and and this is what happens you know, you see those who make false claims of course they vanish they, yep. they, they nobody knows them mm-hmm. but those who are true from god this is the, what shows the existence of god because mm. god is behind them they don't have any worldly resources they don't have financially they are not strong they only the very poor people they accept them in the beginning yeah. and they are a handful of people but you know because 
they are from God, and this is also, as you mentioned, that this is one of the evidence of the existence of God, and, and that God proves that he's there. He's there. And the interesting fact of it is, like you said, you went to, um, was it Malta? No, Hawaii. Hawaii, sorry, yes. Malta is one of the small countries as well. So Hawaii, you went to Hawaii, and even there you found, uh, you know, Ahmadis. And this is a fulfillment of the prophecy of the Promise Messiah Islam that I shall cause thy message to uh, uh, to reach the corners of the world. Now, the, the community has been established in more than 210 countries. I believe it's 214 or 15 countries. And... The interesting fact is m- most of the people who enter the Jamaat, uh, who enter the community, they enter the community because God guides them. And how do they guide them? I have experienced myself when I went to Niger mm-hmm. and in, in different villages in, in, in a time span of 10 years, they are in hundreds and thousands of Ahmadis now who have you know, accepted Ahmadiyyat. Now, when we spoke to the, so, so basically they would have a, a, a chief of the village and an imam as well, who then, you know, have a debate or a discussion about Ahmadiyyat. But that's not all. You know, they say, okay, let us ponder upon whatever we've discussed. They're not rigid type of mm-hmm. Maulavis or, or mullahs or, or, or uh, scholars. Yeah. They, 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 they truly follow what the prophets have, you know, taught us. And they say that, okay, let's ponder upon what we have discussed and let us pray and we'll come back to you. And lots of the people, when we asked, how did you enter Ahmadiyyad? How did you accept Ahmadiyyad? Lots of them, they said that God Almighty guided me. God Almighty, I saw this dream and I saw that dream and, and, and God, you know, revealed to me I saw the promised Messiah in my dreams who yeah. I never saw before. But when his picture was brought in front of me, I just immediately recognized his face. And similarly, his holiness, his face as well. Many people who never saw their picture, they don't have TVs or, or, or pictures, not even you know proper houses, right? When they are then introduced to MTA, let's say, uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim television, and they see the picture or the video of His Holiness, they say, this is the person I saw in my dreams. Yeah, <laughs> I've never yeah. seen this person in my so, in my entire life, but this is the person who guided me towards Ahmadiyyat. Absolutely. So the one who has made this system in your brain yep. to communicate with you, mm-hmm. because he's the one who is communicating. He's, it, is, it is only the creator who knows what is going to happen in future. Yes. And he knows what is the truth, and he is the one who can guide. Mm-hmm. And um, so, people who pray to him, as a result of that, they see a dream, or they see they see some kind of a vision, or they get a revelation. They are guided by by him, and that is the proof of his existence. And yep. many people, when and this is this is where the the state, which is the next stage, basically, because then no doubt is left. Because initially, when you are thinking with the wisdom, with the knowledge, with the with the logic, you reach the conclusion that there should be a God, as I was uh, giving you ex- the, the logical explanation. 
But then once they experience that God speaks to them, yep. you know, they have seen a dream and it comes true. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who is the one who has shown a dream, true dream with that tomorrow this is going to what this is what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And when they see that, because many of them at the, you know, at the election of the Khalifa, you know, when our fourth caliph, he passed away. And after that, there is electoral college who sits down and they hold an election and they choose a Khalifa, the next Khalifa. So many of the members were guided from by God Almighty. They they never knew. They had they have never heard of the the name of the current Khalifa. Mm -hmm. But it you know it was they they were guided. Some of them they had the dreams and they saw the name, the, this name of you know Masrur. And and some of them they they could not read uh, you know the, the language in which it was written. Right. So they had just noted down just like a design. Mm -hmm. They had noted down that this is what they saw. Right. And then they asked somebody else that you know what does it mean, right? And somebody else they they told him that this is this is what this is a name and this is what it means, mm. and so that is how God Almighty guides, and mm. that's why we get the when when you this is the ex, experiencing God, right? That once you it happens to you, you haven't heard a story. Mm. It happens to you that God has spoken to you, God mm -hmm. has guided to you, and then then nobody in the world can change your mind that you know, there is no God. Exactly. Then then you say, oh, I have seen God. I yeah. have experienced him. Exactly. So how can you, how are you telling me that there is no God? <laughs> exactly. This is the, the strongest evidence of God that, you know, thousands and millions of people, in fact, have experienced God Almighty through, um, you know, through their dreams and through through visions. I mean, this is this so, is the it's, most. It's, you know, uh, very interesting. That is, is the again the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Committee, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Abdul He has mentioned that. Look, there there are various sources. He has mentioned of the what are the sources of knowledge, hmm. and one of the sources, very basic sources of knowledge, he has mentioned is that when an, when you hear it from people, mm -hmm. and it is um, uh, a, a lot of people. It's a number of people who are telling you the same thing. Yeah. And he has given. He's quoted an example that you know. And sitting in Kadian, he mentioned that you know you you have heard that there is a city called London. Yeah. And uh, you believe that there is there is a city which exists. Nobody from among you has seen that city. Mm -hmm. Nobody has gone there. Yeah. Nobody has come from there telling them that there is London. But you have heard from many people, and because of that. You believe that there is a city called Tokyo. Mm -hmm. There is a city called Lahore, for example. Yeah. And you don't even doubt that. Yeah, you don't you doubt. Said, because, you, don't, you know, thousands of many people... In there are many people are saying the same yeah. thing. It's not a so coincidence. There are, there yeah. are hundreds or thousands of, of prophets who came. Yeah. And everybody so, told that there is a God and we yeah. have experienced him. And they, they took him and they and the people who followed them, they saw that they... They were nothing, and they when they made their claims, and they were successful. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, for example, you see the Christianity at the time of uh, Prophet Jesus, on whom be peace. You know, he was he was um, in such a humble condition that he was put on the cross. Yep. And uh, such was his state during his own time, but yet he was promised that which is still in the Holy Quran that the those who believe will be dominant from uh, you know in the world over all the others who don't believe you yep. at that time so we we now see that this was fulfilled this this whatever he told he was telling people that i am king and that's why one of the reasons why he was put on the on the cross as well
they don't believe in him. They, they didn't believe him at that time. They're Messiah. But, but, but later on, you know, everybody believed that. And there, there is a majority of people believe that he, he was the king and he is the king because, right. you know, he was a representative of God Almighty. Right. So, so the, these are the things which, which tell us about the existence of God and mm-hmm. what is required is rather than questioning and using your own logic. And that's why more, many of the philosophers, we, we mentioned early of Charles uh, Dickens and Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and uh, Sam Harris, all the, you know, they, of course, when once you start realizing that, oh, uh, I have got wisdom i'm at a status of a higher status of my mind works better and then start questioning mm-hmm. and in in making an attempt they make such sometimes such um, uh, such comments which which you know even a child says, says oh, what are you saying mm. you know that uh, the very basics like I've given you a few examples that uh, you know that scientifically speaking you know how can you uh, how can you explain that a fish has got all the uh, f- the functioning things which it needs to swim whereas a bird has the things which which are needed for the flying yeah so so who who is there who has provided this so all these are the basic questions but but the thing is that when we as an md muslims we talk we we are open in our discussions that come and discuss with us yep. that you know, you know we are not a closed society where you know we will say we just we believe god because you know my father told me or my, yeah. we were born in a in a muslim yeah. family and that's why it is because we have seen we have studied and the yeah. uh, uh, the evidence of existence of god we have experienced god almighty yes. Uh, and that is why that is the purpose of you know when when somebody says oh, you have to say five times prayers because God Almighty has said that you can reach me through prayers. Yeah, this is one connection. Uh, mm, uh, this is the way you can make connection with God. Mm-hmm. This is the way you just follow the instructions, the commandments which God Almighty has given. You don't follow it just because it is a commandment and, and you have to follow by force. It is because you want to reach that God Almighty, and He has said that this is the way to reach Me. Mm. And and He, as as explained by the Holy uh, Founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, He says that He is a treasure, and no matter what you lose, but you have to to find Him. Find Him, yeah. Once you reach Him, you will re- realize how big a treasure He uh, is. A treasure is. I mean, so, uh, it's it's the the purpose of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Muhammad, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the, the the promised messiah of his advent is to show people that god is indeed a living god a living god He's... god has always been living he was living before now as well and always will be living that means that he has shown us through his literature and and his and his dialogues and, and his teachings it teaches us and it tells us that God is living, and and try to find Him. Like like you gave an example that He's a treasure. When you try to find Him, and like in a hadith and a saying of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace be upon him, he said that if you walk towards or if you crawl towards God, He walks towards you, and if you walk towards Him, He will run towards you. Meaning that if you truly want to find God, then you will truly, truly find Him, and He will. You know, manifest themselves uh, through different ways, and this is how God, you know, shows Himself 
to the people who want to find him. There is you uh, earlier we were mentioning about the um, the rise in people who have gone away from religion mm-hmm. either they become irreligious you know they they don't believe they say well, we don't have any religion or they have gone away from the religion and the reason is that the the go- the god which was promised to them or the god which was um which they uh, they were told about nobody showed them the god okay hmm. so when they saw in people that these people are talking about god but they can't see god in them yeah they can't see that these people have been transformed or changed in yeah. their morals and their um, you know but when we see the life of the holy prophet of islam prophet muhammad may peace and mm. blessings of allah be upon him you can see god in him yeah. you see the level of the morals he showed yeah. um in peace and in war in adversity and and when he was well off mm. all different styles of life all different they they came upon him but you see that the morals he showed were the best one yep and the reason why it was the best one is because you cannot deceive god almighty yeah so you can deceive people so so when you are in presence of people maybe you behave differently and mm-hmm. when you are on on your own you so, so the the moment you get the power you know your your level or your uh, criteria of moral changes mm-hmm. but he is the one who will show you hmm. that in all the different conditions and every type of condition you know came upon him and he showed the best of the morals hmm. and so so if we study him then we can find god and that's why we see that lots of people they converted to islam it was not through the through the sword or the war that they were afraid of him because you can't change the hearts you can you know you can um, chop off their heads but they you can't change their minds yeah. the minds are only changed when you are you are really impressed yeah. by the superiority of the teachings which mm. are given to you and that is that is one reason why lots of people they converted and because they found god yep. they reached god they experienced god mm. and that was one of the major reasons why people converted and even today lots of people are coming as you mentioned that they they see the dreams they see they they find the connection with god almighty mm-hmm. and that is what brings them towards the true teachings of islam Indeed. which is in current day and time is the ahmadiyya uh, muslim community which is presenting and which was prophesized by the holy founder of the uh, uh, holy uh, founder of islam uh, prophet muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him he had prophesied that in the latter days the islam which will be modified by people different people over the years and one person will come as my representative which is prophesied in the holy quran and then he will bring the true teachings of islam to the world mm-hmm. and he will connect people to god again mm. so it he has come in the form of hazrat mirza ghulam mohammad qadian and his community which is the ahmadi muslim community is giving this message to the world they come to peace which is in islam yep and the true teaching of islam and true understanding of islam that's why we are open to dialogue yep. p- with people and we encourage mean- meaningful dialogue um uh, between the you know, theists and atheists they can have dialogue and people can decide you know who is right who is, who is uh, right who is, and who is wrong this is telling us about god there is a a um a question that was asked to his holiness um the current caliph of the ahmadiyya muslim community hazrat mirza masrur ahmed and this question is in relate it is connected with the existence of god and how 
you know, the youngsters, they can believe in God. The exact question to which Huzur was asked is, how can I educate my parents regarding raising Ahmadi children so that they are there is no conflict? And this individual was a convert himself, and he wanted his children to educate in a, in a way that they also would believe in God. Let's listen to this audio. Beloved Hazur, I did buy it last year, and my parents have supported my decision to convert. Um, but they have also explained that they are also they personally don't see themselves joining Islam. I would like to have an Ahmadi Muslim family in the future, and would like your advice on how I can educate my parents on my beliefs um, to avoid future disagreements. You see, when you marry an Ahmadi girl, and you have your children and uh, you are living in an environment or in a vicinity where your parents also live, then instead of confronting them directly on small petty issues, you just tell them that the basic morals are the same between us. We say that we should worship God. We say that we should show good morals towards each other. We should refrain from all the bad things. And even if your parents are not Ahmadi, they will agree with this. And the environment is also influencing your children if you are not properly conscious about their training. Right? So you will have to take special care. How can they be brought up? In an atmosphere? where they know about their religion. So you will have to be practicing Muslim first. Your wife shall have to be practicing Muslim. This is the basic requirement. And in this way, you will set your example before your children. Okay? And then also teach them, train them what is Islam and why we are Muslim. And if they ask you that why our grandparents are not Muslims, then you can tell them that Allah Ta'ala says there is no compassion religion, so whichever religion they chose, they have adopted that one. But uh, whatever we feel is good, we have chosen that religion. And also tell them that why we have chosen this religion, why we like Islam. So in this way, you can train your children. And at the same time, you tell your parents about the beauties of Islamic teachings, and uh, when they know the beauties of Islamic teachings, then they will always try to listen to what you are saying. When they see there is some significant change in you, and you are somehow different from that of your previous life, then they would know that our son is going on the right path. And also pray for them, as the prayer of the parents is accepted for the children. In the same way, the prayer of the children is also accepted if they are praying for their parents. So pray for them that Allah Ta'ala also open their hearts and they accept Islam. But you will have to reform yourself first. You have to be practicing Muslim and then show your example before children and then at the same time teach them or you will have to work hard for that. Otherwise, not only your parents, but the environment will also influence your children. 
they will deviate from the basic teaching of Islam. Right? So this was a very interesting um, uh, question and answer by His Holiness. How can I explain the concept of existence of God? You have a scientific bent of mind. I mean, very interesting answer indeed from His Holiness. Um, at the end, he said that we should pray for them as well, because God is the one who can, uh, you know, make them believe uh, or show them signs of His existence. And this is how God, you know, guides many people, many people towards towards uh, towards God. Even I have seen uh, many people. And and in the community as well, right? Uh, there are many people who didn't believe in God, but then when they had some sort of difficulty in their life, yeah. and they thought, okay, if God exists, okay, let's let's pray. To let's him. pray for him, mm. to him, and then they would pray and they would say, okay, God, if you really exist, help me out, help me out from this problem. Or oh, my child is sick, is about to die, or she is mm. about to die. Help him or her and many people you know God when, when truly someone is not just mocking but truly wants help from God and God helps them this is how they you know find God and this is how you know God Almighty you know leads people towards towards he, the belief of his existence you know the true revelation believing in the true re- revelation the mm-hmm. Prophet Messiah the Holy Founder of the Ahmadiyya has said that by accepting this true revelation, people would be saved from atheism. Mm-hmm. And he has mentioned that in short, he says, and I quote, in short, as long as conjectural speculations are not supported by the facts of the matter, the entire display put on by reason is a mirage and nothing more, the ultimate outcome of which is atheism. So if you desire to be to be an atheist, do as you please. Otherwise, the only way you can be delivered from the fierce flood of doubts mm-hmm. which has swept thousands of intellectuals far superior than you into mm-hmm. the depth of degradation with a single surge is to take a firm hold of the strong handle of true revelation. Mm. Um, he mentions that back in Europe the atheists had never witnessed true revelation and its wonderful power of leading to conviction. So while uh, it's not from his quotation but it's, it's mentioned that so while the promised Messiah on whom be peace intellectually grounded the idea of revelation as a mode of certainty and presented the Holy Quran as its epitome, he also proved its spiritual effect throughout his life. Mm-hmm. It was not mere theory. He showed through prophecy, acceptance of prayers and divine signs that God exists and through his communion with Allah, he showed the world that one can establish communion with uh, God if one pays attention to and upholds the teachings of the Holy Quran. I mean, to find God through the Holy Quran was is a, a, a responsibility upon the Muslims, and um, and this is something that uh, you know we as Muslims, our responsibility is to find Him through the Holy Quran. And many people who uh, read the Holy Quran, and you know, when when they had many doubts, when they look at the the verse of the Holy Quran, they truly find how they should communicate with God Almighty. Not just um, Muslims, but I would suggest and I would um, tell um, those people who do not believe in any faith that, you know, maybe 
you're interested to read books and there is nothing wrong with learning about others or learning about faith of others um you know that nothing will you know you will not lose anything so those who are interested in reading they should um, you know read the holy quran when they read and when you truly read it just to seek knowledge or just to find out what what is this all about how is this this divine book or how is this book divine then they will certainly find god almighty in the 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 holy quran when they they read it and when they try to understand it they'll see that there's so many prophecies that has been done in the holy quran that is actually you know fulfilled and this is a sign when something which is you know which was revealed 1400 years ago through someone who didn't believe in you know who didn't know how to write or read this person is prophesizing about the future and all these things when they come to true how can you then you know reject the existence of god i would like to you know thank our uh, producers of today faiza hak for producing today's show and to, i i would like to end it with a um with the audio a question answer in regards to um the existence of god so let's get back straight to some of the questions uh, which are being asked now um Tahir Ahmed Saab from Germany. Jazakumullah, assalamu alaikum. Tahir Saab, thank you very much for your question. Ask the question, how can I explain the concept of the existence of God to those who have a scientific bent of mind? And linked to that, another question we have is, if there is no compulsion in religion, as it says in the Holy Quran, and it is based entirely upon personal faith, then doesn't this mean it is impossible to scientifically prove the existence of God? Dr. Shakil Saab if I could come to you first of all on that science does it prove yes. god exists again um, a question from an intriguing mind i would say and a big question in some way two intriguing minds there even <laughs> right yes that's right um i i think it's right to to say that if reason can lead us to god yes then there should be an automatic uh, acceptance of that reason and therefore why isn't it that people are beginning to accept this on the basis of a logical conclusion however i think before i try to make an attempt to scientifically demonstrate the existence of god let me first say what promised messiah may allah be pleased with him says about the best way to reach god and he's spoken of three basic principles and they are evidence witness and personal experience evidences all around us as we've been referring to it's the flawless working of natural principles irrespective of whatever conditions um witness is when we see with our eyes the 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 proof of existence of god or the promises that have been made by god to his people mm-hmm. so in spite of all odds and in spite of worldly and mighty opposition the success comes to those who submit to god in a most sincere manner mm-hmm. that's witnessing god in action in our society and personal experience comes through god listening to our humble prayers and then responding and blessing us with what he thinks is justifiably a response to those prayers mm-hmm. and there are th- not just thousands millions of people 
in the world who have experienced God in this way. And I think once you've gone through that stage of your relationship with God, there is no doubt left in that individual's mind that God exists. So those are the principles given to us. However, I think that it is important to try to respond to the question in a more like a material sciences way Indeed. as well. One of them is that, in fact, there are lots of points. So I'll just have to go through them, list them. Um, there's a universal quest for God. It has always been there. Even before modern science existed, people were intrigued about God. When people had no ways of communicating with each other in history, independently those subcultures in, were intrigued about God and had their own ways of relating to mm -hmm. God. So there's something inherent in the creation to try to not just understand their creator, but also relate to him. And that itself, in some ways, is a, a proof now, commonly, people think about whether God exists or not for one or two mistaken mm -hmm. logics, I would say. One is out of sight, out of mind. Yes. And we know that there's so many things that we cannot physically see. We've referred to presence of oxygen and radiation, etc., but they exist. So similarly, there can be other uh, beings, especially a creator, that would exist, and we may not be able to perceive with our basic eyes or basic senses. The other difficulty people have is the need of discipline. Recognizing the authority of a creator means that we have to lead our lives in a certain way by a certain code of conduct. And if it becomes uncomfortable, especially to those people who may not have been used to living in that disciplined way, it's a harder task. Mm -hmm. Look at the intelligent design of the universe. Can we comprehend anything being created even as our scientific invention which has an intelligent design but without there being uh, some kind of wisdom or planning going into it? In fact, no. So how can we expect an intelligent, smooth functioning universe to be there without there being an intelligent creator? Another very important point that modern science has led to the conclusion that consciousness which can be defined as our awareness of our surroundings and our ability to relate to, to our surroundings. This is not possible to come out of lack of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So if conscious beings exist, that means a conscious creator existed before the conscious beings were born. And logically or philosophically speaking, if you do the cause and effect phenomena and keep taking it backwards, the ultimate cause of all causes is what you can think of comes from the Creator, and that's God. So, in that sense, I would say that the ancient science, the modern science, and even divine words or revelation have commonality uh, about the existence of God or the evidence for existence of God. Aristotle said that it is not possible for the ultimate cause of all creation to be a creation or a created mm. being in itself. Now what he's saying is that the ultimate cause is not them himself being created, he's the creator. He didn't use those yes. words, but that's what he's implying. Modern science of entropy, it says that if you create mass, then you're going to lose mass. from the, In any process of creation of mass from mass, mm. you lose some. But the creation of universe, in fact, is a very unique phenomena. It is beyond this particular scientific principle. It is creation of a huge amount of mass out of immense form of energy. 
And now the modern science has begun to say that um, you can actually create mass out of energy and they speak about the concept of singularity which is the origin of all universe. So that's also giving us first scientific physical evidence of there being some form of energy and being <coughs> that led to the creation of universe. It didn't come out in a haphazard way at random. But for me the most beautiful argument which is scientific as well as it touches the heart of an individual is the testimony coming from those who we know have been the most truthful of mm -hmm. all ever in our society and that's the messengers of Allah, messengers of God. They have been recognized by their companions or times, people of their times to be the most honest people who would not do anything for their selfish interest and they've lived in different times in history and different parts of the world without there have been any material mechanism of communication between them and all of them have actually succeeded in creating beautiful societies with high moral standards in their followers and when asked the question where do they get this guidance from all of them point towards the one creator mm 